With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We do want to hear from you. We'd love to hear your voice or see you type things on a computer and then read them. I guess we wouldn't actually see you type them. We would just read what you eventually typed. But of course, you can do that. You go to our, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash sudden death show. And also, we're on Twitter at sudden death show. That would be the handle, as the young folks say. You could even call in during our live shows. 773-897-6182, of course, would be the number that you would call. And then you'd be on the show. And then when I say, how are you, then you could answer back and tell me just how you are. Uh, my name, of course, of course, of course, you, you already know this. It's Rashawn. Rashawn Merle, to be precise. Just so you don't get me mixed up with other Rashawns. And then there's also Alex Riddle. Uh, we're still looking for him. We haven't quite found him yet. He's out there somewhere. And uh, maybe we'll find him soon. Um, in case you're listening, Alex, uh, we miss you, and we hope you find your way here pretty soon. Because, well, it wouldn't be sudden death with Rashawn Merle and Alex Riddle without Alex Riddle, now would it? Anyway, until we find out where Alex Riddle is, uh, what we're going to talk about today is basically the falsehoods, the the misstatements, the hyperboles, the exaggerations, the Things like that that are coming out fast and furious from, from the White House. You see, Donald Trump is not exactly known for <laughs> his penchant for telling it uh, factually. He's known for telling it like it is, but sometimes the it is part doesn't actually equate to, you know, the truth. You see, it is and the truth turn out to be different things. So it's not exactly, you know... Those two things aren't exactly equivalent, even though some people would suggest that they are. You know, people who believe that Donald Trump tells it like it is are mainly his supporters. Uh, in fact, Anthony Salvanto, and I don't have to tell you who Anthony Salvanto is, I think. <laughs> if you don't know who Anthony Salvanto is, why, I mean, I really can't help you on that count. You must know that he is what is known as a, uh, a pollster. He does polling for CBS. CBS News, in fact, uh, puts out a, a set of battleground tracking polls. And usually they come out during the election and they kind of measure, you know, who wants to uh, vote for this candidate or who wants to vote for that candidate or et cetera, et cetera. However, this time he came out with a set of polls about who supports Donald Trump and what level of Donald Trump support does said person have. So you see, there are four groups of people who support Donald Trump. And whatever category you fall in, I would surmise, would determine just how much likely you are to believe the exaggerations, the hyperboles, the misstatements, the lying, the, quote, telling it like it is. So, you know, there's the first group of people who are the believers. They are 22% of the nation used to. These people are the die-hard Donald Trump supporters. No matter what happens, neither rain nor sleet nor snow nor fog nor whatever the phrase is, you know, these people will be there through thick and thin. And they're not going anywhere. 
And so these people are what are called the believers in the first category. And, you know, these people, according to Mr. Anthony Salvanto, of course, you already know who that is, they make up about 22% of the population. And apparently among these people, they think that he's delivering more than what he said, 31% of them do, exactly what he said, 64% believe that, and then less than he said, which is 4%. And so, you know, that group of people are going to pretty much believe whatever he says, because if only 4% of them think he's delivering less than what he said, and the rest, you know, I'm not a math major, the the ever missing Alex Riddle. He is a math major, so he could tell you what four uh, percent of a hundred the difference of that would be. Uh, I can't tell you that. A uh, hundred minus four is it's too difficult for me to figure out. But I mean, if you have your calculator out there, you can figure it out. So that group of people believes basically what he's selling, and they're not dissuaded in any any way, shape, or form. Then we have the conditional Trump supporters. You know, the conditional Trump supporters are a step below the believers. They make up also 22% of the nation. These people, according again to Mr. Salvanto, they may not agree with everything, but they're glad he's shaking things up. Again, shaking things up is one of those kind of uh, malleable phrases that can mean whatever you want it to mean. These people um, basically support Donald Trump, but kind of with a caveat, according to Mr. Savanto, they could be persuaded to turn away from Mr. Trump to not support him if he doesn't deliver on his key promises. In fact, according to the CBS News YouGov tracker, which is the polling outfit that uh, is conducting these polls, uh, among the uh, conditional Trump supporters, 54% say they will stop supporting Donald Trump if he doesn't build the wall. 80% say they won't support him if he doesn't fix the economy. 63% say they won't support him if he doesn't defeat ISIS. And then 79% say they won't support him if he acts like a politician. Again, whatever that means. There's really a, a roar shark test of meanings here. So... You know, those people basically wanted to fix the problems that he said he was going to fix. And the main was obviously the economy. It's the economy stupid still. Um, so, you know, these people aren't quite drinking the Kool-Aid, but they're taking sips of the Kool-Aid. Then we have a third group of people, according again to Mr. Salvanto and his uh, uh, tracker poll. They're curious people, people who don't support Donald Trump now, but could be persuaded to do so. They could reconsider. That, of course, is this 21% of the nation block. And they say, you know, these are really more Democrats or independents, by the way. And they say they might support him somewhat or fully support him if he gives up on the wall. That is 62% of the curious people. Improves the economy, 90% of curious people. Defeats ISIS, which is 84%. And respects people with different views, 88% of the curious people will support Donald Trump who do not support him now. Uh, so, you know, these people are much less likely to be influenced by all the not true statements. Uh, they're, they're more to be influenced by the results that he kind of garnered. Does he deliver on what he says he's going to deliver on? And then finally you have, well, the lovely resist movement. This is 35% of the nation, according to this poll. People who are against Donald Trump, no matter what, period, end of story, and who cannot, well, most of them could not be convinced to change their mind. The difference between these people and the curious category, the, who are the opponents now but could be persuaded to change their mind, among the resistors, 81% believe Democrats should oppose all or most of Mr. Trump's agenda. Uh, whereas the curious people, only 49% of them believe Democrats should be obstructionists. 51% of the curious people want Democrats to work with Donald, but only 19% of their resistors do. And so obviously this group of people, which is a plurality in the, in the uh, nation tracker poll here, they are going to be much more critical of Donald Trump no matter 
the degree of the lie or the scope of the lie or the context in which the lie is told. So that's kind of the backdrop for exactly um, the group of Americans and four groups who would be susceptible and not so susceptible to believing or excusing things that Donald Trump or his, his administration say, that's just not true. So with that backdrop, we can take a look at some of the things that have been said. Uh, just since the president's been inaugurated, and we'll, de we'll determine the, the, the degree to which uh, they really matter, or they can be let go as little white lies, or I suppose in this case, as little orange lies, because of course, <laughs> the president of the United States is kind of that tan, ornish, John Boehner looking skin thing going on. Um, we haven't right, quite figured out what's going on there, but it's, it's orange, whatever it is. So, you know, that's why we kind of call these little orange lies. And today we're going to try to distinguish between the lies that don't really matter, the things that, you know, are kind of misstatements, but not necessarily with deceitful intent, and other things that are kind of half true and, you know, things that are uh, really not so false at all. Now, to be clear, presidents of all shapes, all stripes, all political parties, what they fib. They say things that aren't true to um, get legislation through, to persuade the public of what they're doing and that that thing is right. Um, whatever the reason, whatever the motivation, presidents say things that aren't true. Sometimes, you know, the facts are wrong. Sometimes they tell half-truths. They kind of leave out the bad part of whatever statement they're making. Um, you know, this website, uh, PolitiFact, of course, is a, a website that yeah, you love to keep track of things that presidents say, whether they're true or not. Uh, and they kind of rank, you know, uh, things that are statements that are true, that are half true, that are false, that are pants on fire, which, you know, that kind of outrageous lies. Now, I personally kind of have some quibbles with the methodology, the reasoning that uh, PolitiFact uses. Sometimes their justifications for why they grade a certain statements, uh, a lie or not, are questionable, dubious, to say the least. But regardless, uh, they have kept track of statements by prominent politicians, celebrities, TV personalities, uh, basically public figures who say things. And if you want to know, you know, just how uh, many things a certain president, for example, says that aren't true, uh, PolitiFact has a, a, a pretty decent list of things that for example, Barack Obama has said that are either mostly false, just straight up false, or pants on fire. You know, like when he said that ISIS uh, was the JV team, and then months later asked about it, said he wasn't talking about ISIS when he was talking about the JV team. Well, of course, that was false. Um, you know, when he said, if you like your plan for health care, you can keep your plan. If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. He said that. Uh, that turned out not to be true. But later when asked about that, he said that he had said that you can keep your plan if dot, 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 uh, the insurers hadn't changed the plan dramatically. And of course, he said about three dozen times, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan, period. There were no caveats. Um, so of course, that was a lie. And, you know, there's an entire list. You can check it out on politifact.com if you so should choose. And of course, they have a, a list for Donald Trump as well. And the list for Donald Trump is, well, substantially longer than the list for Barack Obama or just about any other politician for that matter. And so, you know, today we're going to look at uh, the things that Donald Trump said, the Whoppers, or even the Whopper Juniors, that have come out just since the inauguration. Uh, because, you know, he's president now, and the things that a president says, uh, they have more weight than the things that a not-president says, even a president in candidate form, what he might say. Uh, so looking at Donald Trump, so some of the biggest things that he said since the inauguration that have gotten the biggest media coverage uh, include comments about the crowd size at the inauguration, comments about um, you know the, the CIA, his statements about the CIA and his maligning of them, that just being a media creation. You know, he also said that the murder rate in the country is the highest it's been uh, in 47 years, which uh, we're going to get into. 
He said, um, you know, well, <laughs> literally, there's a list of dozens of things that you said since the inauguration that really aren't true, including about the media not reporting terrorist attacks. So we can go through those one by one. And, you know, to me, it doesn't really seem that everything that Donald Trump says that's not exactly accurate or something that his administration says that's not completely accurate. Not everything is, uh, not every lie is created equal, if you will. There are certain times when Donald Trump uh, will uh, utter a statement that is kind of based in a nugget of truth, but not totally true. Um, and, you know, people tend to believe him and it doesn't really matter. It's not really consequential. It's not uh, shaping policy in any way, shape or form. Uh, things like uh, the size of his inauguration crowd. You know, he posited that there are 1 to 1.5 million people uh, on the mall the morning of his inauguration. Of course, we have uh, aerial photographic evidence that would show otherwise. There are large swaths of the mall where people would normally go to stand for an inauguration. People who were attended Barack Obama's inaugurations, for example, where they would go and stand and um, fill that space between uh, the Lincoln Memorial and the Washington Monument in Washington, D.C. Well, it was pretty evident that uh, looking at the same photographs from Donald Trump's inauguration, that there were not that many people, not even close. You know, estimates were 200,000 to 600,000. You know, the National Mall doesn't give out precise numbers, but uh, just based on the people that were there in those photographs, you can kind of estimate that amount. And so Donald Trump goes on this hullabaloo about um, my crowds were so large. There were a million to 1.5 million people there. But then the press, the press showed these empty fields. And I was like, I can't believe this. I was standing there myself and I saw this, uh, it had to be a million, a million and a half people standing out there. And it's that dishonest press, that, the dishonest press that's lying to you about the crowd size. <laughs> um, now, because we can't verify exactly the amount of people that were on the mall, the inauguration, you know, Donald Trump, I guess, seems to think he's getting away with it. Um, but, you know, people who you know, check these kinds of things, the kinds of nerds who are interested in kind of measuring the amount of people that are standing on one part of the mall versus another part of the mall, and how many people would normally fit in that area, they went back and forth and you know, were running around with their hair on fire about this is not true. It, there were way more people there at Obama's inauguration. It, it really, it really uh, made Donald Trump look foolish and his administration look foolish because if he worked for Donald Trump, he had to defend things that he says, even though they're not true. Because if you don't defend the boss, well, you're going to end up not working for the boss pretty soon after that. That's kind of the way it goes. And so if you're working for him, you have to kind of repeat these kinds of uh, falsehoods and kind of defend them. And Sean Spicer, who, again, I needn't tell you who Sean Spicer is. That, of course, is the White House press secretary. I guess I did something I didn't need to do there because I just told you who he was when I said you didn't need to know who he was because you already knew. Um, that's my bad. It'll never happen again until the next time it happens, I suppose. Uh, but anyway, Sean Spicer... He's the White House press secretary, and he went out and uh, kind of defended that crowd size comment by saying it was the largest audience to watch the inauguration, both in person and online. Um, of course, even with that metric, it's still rather false. Uh, you see, Donald Trump had about 31 uh, million people watching the inauguration on TV, according to the Nielsen ratings, um, where Barack Obama had... 40-something million people watching his inauguration, at least. And this, just, this is just counting like the television viewers, not the internet viewers and viewers around the world. You know, Sean Spicer tried to take in this magical, mythical number of online watchers around the world that we could never know and never measure uh, to suggest that more people were watching Donald Trump's inauguration than ever before. Uh, so, I mean, to me, I really... This was really a ridiculous kind of merry-go-round circus type distraction because in the, in the big scheme of things, we, we really don't care how many people were standing on the National Mall at the time of Donald Trump's inauguration. You know, Donald Trump has to see himself as a winner 
His ego requires that he win at everything, whether it's uh, television ratings or um, presidential elections or the people who are standing on the National Mall at the inauguration. He has to win. And so when he sees these side-by-side pictures that the media is putting up on Twitter and TV and magazines and newspapers and elsewhere, that seems to enrage him or at the very least make him very uh, unhappy and angry. And so, you know, he has to come up with some sort of excuse as to why his inauguration crowds were a fraction of the size of Barack Obama's inauguration crowds. And his excuse is, uh, no, don't believe your lying eyes. Believe me when I tell you that there are people crowded all the way back to the, the Washington Monument when that really wasn't the case. So, you know, these kinds of things I personally don't really care about. You know, if we could find Alex Riddle, I'd love to ask him what he thinks. Um, but he apparently has yet again fallen down a well somewhere uh, with little Timmy. And he and little Timmy are down there and they're struggling to get out. But uh, hopefully Alex will make it back to the studio by the time the show starts because I'd really love to know if uh, these kinds of small lies matter to him. They don't matter to me. Um, they just are really distracting. And it's really frustrating that when you have an agenda of decent things to do to help the country and you're worried about the crowd size. And not only does that make you look small and petulant, you know, the size of your hand, if you're the president, for example, it also distracts from the media coverage of things that uh, are good that you're doing, that are helping people, helping get their jobs back, um, helping cutting regulations for businesses so that they can hire more people. Um, helping reverse all the progressive nonsense that went on in the last administration. So um, the thing is that when you get distracted by nonsense like this, it, it really hurts. And, you know, people should um, not get so wound up on stuff like this. And um, I, I believe actually um, Alex has finally found his way out of the well and uh, he is here with us now. Alex, uh, are you out of the well? Are you nice and dry now? Did you unmute me? Is that what I just heard? <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> unmute you? You mean you walked into the studio here right next to me and are now talking because you're out of the well, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, that must be uh, what unmuting is. <laughs> I, I, so, that word, I don't think it means what You know I what think you're reminding means. me of right now? You're reminding me of a little orange liar. <laughs> Can you? You're confounding me. I don't know me. which don't one, care. but just like one of them, I think. Not, not entirely <laughs> sure. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what's going on here right now, but I'm going to pretend the last, oh, I don't know, 30 seconds didn't happen. And I'm going to pretend that uh, you heard the rest of that conversation about how significant this crowd size lie is. And you heard what I said about it. So what do you say about it? <laughs> um, what, what were you saying? It's his ego, and so he has to make up nonsense about how big the crowds are. Uh, hey, that sounds like what I just said. Yeah, I was repeating what you just said, as a matter of fact. Um, I, my but I also said only... it's not a big deal about the crowd size lying. I mean, that's a kind of a petty thing that doesn't really affect policy. And so even though it's not no, true no, no. or exaggerated, uh, it doesn't warrant the kind of hysteria that it received in the media coverage. What say you? Um, well, th this is the sort of thing uh, that does seem to me like, oh, wow, um, you know, what everyone's saying must be true. Uh, Trump is an egomaniac and like just has to tell himself lies in order to get through the day because um, normally my explanation for uh, uh, his sort of ludicrous behaviors is like, um, oh, he's intentionally trying to create chaos in order to, uh, you know, keep people stay to stay in the news or keep people uh, talking about him or keep them from talking about something else um, either to do with him or to do with somebody else. But this is, this is one sort of where it's like, well, you know, this was just clearly a falsehood. I'm not sure what you, you were trying to do other than uh, to brag. Maybe you were trying to see how far you could go with like blatantly uh, lying. Um, 
But yeah, not not sure what your reasoning for this was there, Trump. But should we get all up in a tizzy over a lie like this? This is what uh, the little white slash orange lie would be. A lie of not of consequence, for example, uh, according to me. Uh, do you see it that yeah, way? The, um, I, I don't think it's a big deal, of course, but the the justification for getting into a tizzy over it is, uh, well, he must have a personality disorder or something. Like it's evidence of, of uh, you know, he's a pathological liar, right? That, no, that's what Bernie that's, Sanders and Al Franken said this past weekend. Right. That, that's, what, that's what the justification would be for, uh, for tizzying about it. Um, so, I mean, like, it, it, it's definitely uh, politically motivated to some degree. And, uh, you know, um, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I definitely don't see – I don't see an alternate – I mean, I don't see a reasonable alternate explanation other than, like, oh, he just, you know, is lying for – to make himself feel better, which is, which is bad. You don't want that in a president, generally. <laughs> Well, please explain why you don't want that in a president, uh, who, someone who makes up lies like this that are inconsequential to make themselves feel better. Why is that a bad presidential trait? Um, versus a good presidential trait? Well, well no, it's just uh, standalone. Why is that a just, bad presidential trait? Because if this lie I'm, is inconsequential and doesn't matter, why does it matter that he lies about it? The... Um, Okay, so the, that that was just like a contradiction. There, I don't I don't think it was. Um, if well, I mean, you said if it doesn't matter, then why does it matter? Right, but you said it matters. But and, you also you would, said it matters that say, a president lies like this. But it doesn't matter. Be, it what? doesn't really matter, but it kind of matters. Or I can see why people might think that it matters. But well, you like, said we it, don't want a president that does this. Uh, matter, lies about inconsequential things. Why? Um, right, because it it indicates maybe someone who has uh, who has too much of an ego um, to to do this job. Like the one of the big fears about uh, Trump coming from the sort of more uh, skittish um, echelons of society was, oh my God, he's gonna get offended, and then you know he's gonna nuke China. Or, you know, Spain or something, just like Newton, right? Because his ego got bruised. Um, so this is, this is more evidence of that line of, uh, this is more stuff to substantiate that ego-based um, decision-making uh, line of reasoning. Uh, but, yeah, so that, that, that's what I'm saying. Um, and, and ultimately, like, they're right. You don't – if that is the case, that's not something you want. You, you don't want the president putting ego first. You want them putting America first. <clears throat> <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure if that cough was a coincidence or intentionally placed there at that point in the, in the speech that you just gave. But uh, oh, that was very interesting. Cough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to argue with that. It's, it's um, actually a condition. <laughs> yes. The conditional cough. It's. Uh, I think you can uh, get some Tylenol for that. I, I believe. I'm not sure. Um, or or Lylenol, one or the other. Or uh, <laughs> Tylenol I. Something. Some one of those things. It's one of those things you can get for the the conditional cough. Um, Tylenol. Now, <laughs> yes, something to that effect. Um, now, so kind of a big lie at the beginning of the administration was about the crowd size, but very shortly thereafter, we had another lie. And actually, before I get into the second lie, did you hear my uh, explanation of the CBS News YouGov Nation Tracker poll about the four categories of people as it relates to Donald Trump support? Um, no, I don't believe so. I think that was during my uh, when I was you trying to figure out well. how to do this. <laughs> get out of the well, you mean? That's what you mean by doing this? Yeah, support. that's when I was waiting for Lassie. <laughs> yes. Okay, so this uh, is. Just to briefly state what I've already stated, um, there are four Ooh. categories of people according to the CBS News poll done by Anthony Salvanto of CBS News. Um, there are the believers, kind of the Kool-Aid Trump supporters who, who support him through thick or thin no matter what. There are the conditional supporters who 
uh, generally support him, but they could not support him anymore if he doesn't deliver on his policies and promises. There are the curious people, those who are opposed to him now, but could be persuaded to change his mind, to change their mind if he does a good job as president. And then there are the resistors who, no matter what, they're going to oppose, oppose, oppose this president. Um, mm -hmm. And the first three categories are split about 22 to 21% of the nation for the first three categories. And that last category is 35%. So in which category do you find yourself? Um, the, uh, okay, so I would say, um, I would say I'm willing to give him uh, a shot and see how he does as president before, uh, you know, um, opposing him vehemently. <laughs> so that, so what the category would be what? Um, I want to say that was the second or third category. <laughs> so the second category was the conditional supporter who agrees with generally what he's doing, but if he doesn't deliver on his promises, they would not support him anymore. I said earlier, if he doesn't build a wall, fix the economy, defeat ISIS, or if he starts acting like a politician, the conditional crowd will not support him. The curious crowd are the opponents currently of him, but they could reconsider and change their mind if he gives up on the law, improves the economy, defeats ISIS, and respects people with different views. So would that make you a conditional supporter or a curious person? We know you're curious, but yeah, that's supporting I'm, Donald Trump. Yeah, I, I would say um, I, I would say I think I'm in the uh, I'm in the third category now because um, yeah, I'm an not opponent interested. of Trump who could change his mind. Oh uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not interested in like a lot of the um, doing air quotes right now promises that he made. Um, Mostly because I'm not confident they are, in fact, or par partially because I'm confident they're uh, not confident they are, in fact, promises. Um, I think probably uh, they're negotiation, persuasion techniques more than promises. Um, so I'm not interested. I'd rather he didn't even try to build the wall. I think that's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but, like, please, please oh, don't try. Like, just, like, let's get, you know, use that as a, you know, tell Mexico you all have to pay for it as a starting place. And then let's get somewhere from there and like maybe get Mexico to, you know, actually have less of a terrible country so that people don't want to leave in droves. So that would be cool if that somehow worked out. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say based on his, uh, um, based on his campaign and, um, I guess like the sort of unilateral executive actions that he's been, uh, you know, doing a lot of lately um, since becoming president. I would say I'm uh, opposed, but I could see this working out for uh, the for the best. What category are you in, Rashawn? <laughs> for the record, I I do want the wall built. Uh, build the wall. Hashtag. Um, I would be in the second category of conditional supporters. You know, I hey, if, support if the Mexico basic can vision. pay for it, then uh, well, I don't care who pays for it. Uh, you know, the government's wasted our tax money on much stupider things than a wall, like shrimp on a treadmill. We can at least use it for something that uh, would have some effect on policy in a good way. Um, so build the wall, okay, pay for cool. it however you need to pay for it. Uh, but I'm a conditional supporter. If he goes back on things like tax reform and doesn't do that and doesn't repeal and replace Obamacare. That was a big promise. He doesn't do that. And, you know, I don't expect him to defeat ISIS, wipe it off the face of the earth, like you said. But I do expect him to make a lot of inroads there, especially after the big talk during the campaign about how Obama wasn't doing enough to defeat ISIS. Defeat ISIS. So mm -hmm. you got to deliver the goods, Mr. President, or else um, I'm going to deliver the votes elsewhere next time around, uh, <laughs> for the record. So... I'm a conditional supporter. I'm liking the kind of direction policy-wise, not liking the distractions with the, the ridiculous misstatements and lies, which we're going to get back to right about now. Um, another one of the things that he said uh, during the uh, period between the inauguration and now is that, uh, you know, there were millions of people during the election who voted illegally, three to five million people, in fact, 
And that is the reason why Donald Trump lost the popular vote. And these votes, uh, you know, were illegal in <laughs> places like New Hampshire uh, that he lost and um, other places around the country. And this, again, is a statement that doesn't have any evidence to support it. You know, there's always examples of voter fraud, people who use the identification or identity of dead people, et cetera, to vote. But there is not evidence that there's three to five million people who are doing so. You know, apparently there's this guy named Greg Phillips out there who kind of made this claim on Twitter once, and Donald Trump picked it up and ran with it, and so did some kind of fringe right-wing websites uh, that ran with it as well. And <laughs> this is another question and problem that Donald Trump uh, kind of takes any sort of information from any media source, no matter how credible it is, if it reaffirms his worldview, he'll repeat it to uh, millions of people across the country. This is one such example. And as I said before, if you work for Donald Trump, especially if you're the press secretary, the literal spokesman for the man, you have to go out and defend what he said. And Sean Spicer tried to do just that at a press uh, briefing recently when asked about this claim by a reporter. Listen to this. Does the president believe that millions voted illegally in this election? And what evidence do you have of widespread voter fraud in this election, if that's the case? The president does believe that. He has stated that before. I think he stated his concerns, uh, voter fraud and, and people voting illegally during the campaign. And he continues to maintain that belief based on studies and evidence that people have presented to him. Exactly what evidence? I, I, well, I, Ryan today said there's no evidence. The National Association of Secretaries of State say that they don't agree with the president's assessment. What evidence do you have? I, 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 as I said, I think the president has believed that for a while based on studies and information he has. John Roberts. Um, and then we just move on to the next question. Uh, so based on these kind of mythical studies and mythical well information played, that he Johnny. has, he, he, uh, uh, the president believes that there are millions of illegal votes out there that caused him to lose the popular vote. Now, if you'll notice, uh, a very careful Sean Spicer uh, tried not to reaffirm this notion himself. Every time he was asked, and he was asked several times in that uh, press briefing about this claim, he would always say, well, the president believes this. This is a long-standing belief of the president. Uh, the president has seen information and studies out there that causes him to believe this. Being very careful to himself, Sean Spicer distanced himself away from this claim and making sure to let the world know, hey, hey it's not me who believes this defecation. It's the hey, guy boy. I work for. I have to say this. So blame it on him, not me. That's exactly Woo. what's going on here, for the record. Um, and so, I mean, this is another example of a kind of lie, an evidence-free claim that could have gone by the wayside, but Donald Trump continued to bring up this lie over and over again, including when he was meeting with senators from Capitol Hill. He said it again. And then he called for, after being pressed by the, the reporters, you know, they were saying, well, I mean, if there are three to five million votes that were cast illegally in the last election, that is a huge scandal that you have to investigate. So uh, when's the investigation going to be? Um, and there were, you know, pauses and uh, ellipses, oral ellipses that were kind of going on after that question was raised. And then, you know, Donald Trump decided, OK, fine, I will. I will set up a commission. I'll have I'll have Mike Pence. Mike Pence will lead the commission on finding out who these illegal voters are, uh, the three to five million of them. Uh, so like just got back from the Super Bowl. He's like, oh yeah. man, <laughs> this sucks. That's right. So you know when people when the people in the administration, whether it's Kellyanne Conway, the counselor to the president, who were uh, infamously hawking uh, Ivanka Trump's. Uh, a clothing line on national television from the White House briefing room, which is uh, against ethics rules, by the way. Or if it's Chief of Staff Reince Priebus or one of uh, Trump's advisors, Stephen Miller, going on to various shows on Sunday and other days of the week, whenever they're asked about this, they kind of revert back to, well, we know that there are people who are registered to vote in two states or three states or however many states at the same time. We know there are dead people who are still on the registration rolls. And so this uh, kind of voter 
registration irregularity therefore is proof that three to five million people voted in the last election, which of course it is not. You know, that's kind of the, the closest thing of fact you can go to to try to defend the indefensible statement here. Of course, uh, there are people in Donald Trump's senior staff who are also registered to vote in a few states, but that's neither here nor there. That's uh, kind of an aside. Um, you know, people, when they move from one state to another, if you're registered in the first state and you move to state B and then you register there, well, a lot of times state A doesn't take your name off the, ro the registration roll. Uh, so you're registered in multiple states. That's how it works when people move around the country. And, you know, people who are registered to vote, you know, they die and their name isn't automatically taken off the, the rolls the second that they croak. Uh, it takes time for that to happen, and sometimes it doesn't happen at all, but that would be the explanation for why that uh, goes on. And so, you know, you take uh, the example here or there of real in-person voter fraud, people who are voting at the ballot box multiple times, and people who are registered to vote in multiple places, then you kind of try to take those two slithers of truth and make this kind of broad fact-free statement that millions voted illegally and it just becomes um, kind of propaganda at that point. And I think that could be the danger of so many statements so rapidly coming out of the White House that have like a kernel, a smidgen, a grain of truth to them but are way over-exaggerated and they just become a falsehood at that point. Um, again, this statement in itself would not have been a big deal if one, Trump hadn't repeated it over and over again, and two, he hadn't called for a commission to investigate. When you start calling for commissions to investigate things, then they take on more significance. And so, you know, in the ranking of lies so far, we got the crowd size lie and, and this lie. This lie has to take precedence over the seriousness of the offense of making a statement because of the, the investigation you've got going on. Now you've got taxpayer dollars potentially going to an investigation of something that is uh, kind of ridiculous when you say. So, um, but I, I guess based on the, the, the fact that um, Trump appeared to uh, waffle before saying, well, I will create a commission and Mike Pence will lead it to investigate this uh, voter fraud. So, so that, that's kind of our basis for maybe that wasn't his plan the whole time. <laughs> no, I don't think it was. I think it was the pressing of the reporters that are saying, well, if there are three to five million illegal voters, you got to investigate that, don't you? And then he said, all right, right, right fine, right. I will investigate it. Right, fine, I will. But, but maybe um, I just want to suggest possibly it was his plan the whole time. You think his plan the whole time was to investigate the... I, don't, I don't think so. I just think maybe it could could be. <laughs> Which is another way of saying you think it's, so. <laughs> it's in the realm of possibility. No, I, it's, uh, no it's, it's more like I just want to put it out there. Like, you know, hey, people call in and tell us if you think that and why. <laughs> right. Or go to uh, facebook.com slash sudden death show, of course, or twitter.com slash sudden death show at sudden death show. Um, those so are other valid places. That's right. Um, so that lie is more significant than the first lie. But then we got another lie that came after the inauguration. It's a relatively recent lie, in fact. And this was Trump going on and on about the murder rate. Listen to him say, uh, well, again, something that's not true. And this time, unlike the other two, well, kind of like the other two, it involves statistics. And yet the murder rate in our country is the highest it's been in 47 years, right? Did you know that? 47 years. I used to use that. I'd say that in a speech and everybody was surprised because the press doesn't tell it like it is. It wasn't to their advantage to say that. Well, the reason, Mr. President, it wasn't to their advantage to say that is because it wasn't true and it's not true. Um, in fact, the murder rate in the country happens to be at almost a 51-year low. Um, if you, you know, there's one slight spike in murder rates in 2015, which are the oh, yeah, last statistics available. But uh, other than that, the murder rate is pretty low compared to the last half century. 
and yet uh, there goes Donald Trump saying that uh, no, we're at a 47% or 47 year high in murder rate. Now, you know, this is kind of a, a provable, uh, uh, I don't know, the, there's a word that starts with an E uh, that uh, I don't remember what the word is because English is not uh, a great language for me, unfortunately. But uh, uh, empirical is the word I was looking for, and I just thought of it myself. Thank you, Head, for remembering the word I was looking for, empirical. There's empirical data here um, that kind of shows that is undeniably not true. And, you know, this is kind of like what uh, your good British friend and not mine, I don't care for him that much, John Oliver was going on and on about this week on last week tonight. And he was saying that when you make statements like this, uh, then you build policy based on statements that are not true. Um, well, then you're going to have a really ineffective government because you're kind of making solutions to problems that don't exist because the problems you identify are based in falsehoods. And this is one of those kinds of problems. You know, he, he campaigned on being the law and order president, possibly bringing back stop and frisk um, uh, nationwide, which, of course, we don't have a national police force yet. So that would be really something that localities would have to implement if they so chose. But, you know, those are the kinds of things that he wants to implement uh, to keep uh, the nation safe in local precincts. And if you're going to kind of use a statistic that suggests that the murder rate's at a 47-year high, well, golly gee willikers, we've got to do something about that, right? Oh, well, no. Uh, <laughs> well, not to that degree. You know, he said that uh, people were surprised. Uh, to hear that in that soundbite right there, but the reason they were surprised is because it's, it's not really true. And so uh, this kind of lie rises, I think, to an even further level above the first two, because you're kind of basing your policy on a false statistic, are you not? Yeah, I guess the answer is yes. Did Alex fall down a well again? I think Alex has fallen down a well for the second time. I'm not sure. It seemed, seemed like a rhetorical question. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I do know it's time for you to say something about what I just said. Um, yeah, so that's this is um, this is the kind of lie where it's like borderline bizarre, and you just wonder what is going on that would make you say this. Well, I think it's you know? I think he's trying to use the uh, data that's incorrect to justify his law and order program. He was talking, I believe, to a group of police officers but, or sheriffs when he was saying this. Okay, but data that's incorrect implies that there exists data that bears what he says out. It's just wrong. Um, but where is this data? Like, what is his source for this? Well, the White House has not uh, put out that source yet. Uh, you know, if there's a press briefing uh, this week that someone asked him about that, which I'm sure there will be because the press loves to catch Donald Trump on a lie. That's like their favorite pastime uh, nowadays. Yeah. So, it wasn't so in the last administration, but this time around it is. Maybe he's just, uh, you know, restating something he read in one of his uh, very obscure news sources that reinforces his worldview that you were talking about before. Like, I mean, just wh where could this have possibly come from? Uh, where could it come than, from? Uh, yeah. Hmm. InfoWars, Breitbart, uh, sites like that. You know, some guy on Twitter, he's been known to, like, retweet people who send him stuff on Twitter, whether it's true or not. He's done that several times during the campaign and since. Some guy on Twitter, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it's some gal on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, like, frankly, I feel like, you know, I'm not a, I'm no Breitbart or InfoWars connoisseur by any means, but... Frankly, I, I think they would be more committed to the facts than that. <laughs> well, Infowar is certainly not. There's, there's no commitment to facts on that website. It's all conspiracy all the time. Um, no. In fact, we should do yeah. a show on <laughs> Infowar's conspiracies one day because that will be fun. The sound bites will blow your mind. <laughs> you, no, we're going to schedule that for someday soon. And, yeah, we should and definitely do that. We're definitely doing that. Uh, so that's settled. <laughs> um, but you were talking about the kind of uh, weird lies like this one where you don't understand what the motivation behind it is. Um, yeah. Well, the most recent, you know, high-profile lie, anyway, was about the media. Now, of course, 
Donald Trump has made no secret of his enmity with the press. In fact, a few weeks ago on this very show, we covered how Steve Bannon, who is the chief counsel to the White House, uh, in the White House, or one of the chief strategists in the White House, he said that the media is the, quote, opposition party. So they're basically the enemy. They have declared war on the press and, well, CNN in particular. They they really don't like CNN. Uh, But the press in general is the bad guy here. And so Donald Trump uh, recently talked about terrorist attacks and how the media is covering him. And this is how he characterized how the media covers or maybe doesn't cover terrorist attacks. Radical Islamic terrorists are determined to strike our homeland as they did on 9-11, as they did from Boston to Orlando to San Bernardino and all across Europe. You've seen what happened in Paris and Nice. All over Europe, it's happening. It's gotten to a point where it's not even being reported. And in many cases, the very, very dishonest press doesn't want to report it. They have their reasons, and you understand that. Yes, um, I... I understand that. No, wait, wait a second. No, I don't understand that at all. What are you talking about? Uh, the attacks you listed, you know, San Bernardino, Nice, those attacks were covered very extensively by the press. They had reporters go to, the, uh, to either California, in the case of San Bernardino, or to France, in the case of Nice, and cover the horrors that went there. And some of those reporters were there for days on end. And the coverage of those attacks you know, consisted of weeks of coverage, even months of coverage in certain cases, trying to find out who the terrorists were, uh, how they got here, how they were able to pull off these attacks, things like that, the efforts to make sure it doesn't happen again. Those attacks got ample coverage. And so, again, when White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer was asked what in the world they're talking about when they're saying the media is not covering terrorist attacks, the White House put out a list of uh, about 70 or so terrorist attacks, and most of those terrorist attacks were covered by the, the media. In fact, you can look for uh, pretty much any news organization, look up uh, this story about Trump maligning the media and their coverage of terrorist attacks, and whatever the news organization you look at the article in, the, that organization will give you a link underneath each terrorist attack listed as to the coverage that they gave that attack, just to show, yes, the attacks were covered extensively the vast majority of them. Um, and so if you're going to make a statement like this, that the press is not covering a terrorist attack, you would think if you put out a list, you would be sure to look through the internet to make sure that those attacks were not covered extensively. And yet the attacks on the list included Nice and San Bernardino and Belgium and uh, the one in Istanbul and uh, you know, the ones we pretty much all know about if you pay any attention to the news. And so, you know, where would you rank a lie like this, Alex, on the list of lies you've told so far? So there's the crowd size lie. There's the illegal voters lie. There's the 47-year murder rate high lie. And then there's the media is not reporting terrorist attacks lie. Where does this one rank in the list here? Um, uh, I would say in the middle because uh, it's not as So there egregious. are four attacks and there's, there's no middle because there's four, you see. It. So I don't know. As a, uh, so second or third so um that's that's the middle um (laughs) so basically when when you have some an easily verifiable empirical fact um that that's sort of an egregious uh very blatant lie (laughs) um but (laughs) i'll say this this is more um this is more sort of subjective like well, I mean, certain certain of the of the attacks are like, well, pretty much everybody knows about them, and it's because the media covered them, you know, extensively. Maybe not as extensively as you wanted, but you know, it's still pretty extensive. But you know, there's obviously uh, there's always room for uh, critique or uh, you know criticism with, uh, with when you're talking about how much something ought to be covered. So I don't think this is like, this is sort of a very typical um, politician and like just partisan uh, um, 
you know, kind of misleading sort of thing. Like the media isn't talking about this at all. Well, there's definitely people in the media who are talking about everything always, you know, maybe not the mainstreamest places. Um, and maybe they're not talking about it as much as you want them to. Maybe they're, they're talking about it at like, you know, 2 PM rather than at prime time, you know? So it's, it's, Stuff like that. Well, I would agree um, with that with some of the lesser known attacks on the list, um, but they're very well publicized attacks, like, you know, <clears throat> in France and in California and in Brussels and, and Istanbul that were covered extensively. And I don't think any reasonable person could say that those attacks were not, did not receive ample media coverage. And yet, when the right. White House is asked, what attacks is he talking about? Those attacks, those high profile terror attacks, are included in this list. Are on the list, yeah. Yes, it doesn't make any sense. And then he says right. at the end, no. like, no, I think not. you all know why that. You guys know in this room why the media is not covering the attacks. And I, I would bet you that not one person in that room knows why the media <laughs> would not be covering terrorist attacks. Not one. <laughs> right. I mean, I could, uh, you know, conjecture. And I think what he's trying to say, I had to guess, is just rank speculation here just like what Donald Trump does all the time, by the way. Um, I think he's trying to say that, uh, you know, the media doesn't want to uh, highlight radical Islamic terrorism because they're too politically correct. And so anytime there's a radical Islamist that attacks somebody, the media is going to ignore it to try to downplay the Islam angle. I think that's what he's hinting at there. But again, that is false because we've seen uh, all kinds of coverage of Islamic terrorist attacks that have taken place around the world, including the ones on that list. So, um, you know, I guess the last question we have to ponder here then um, is, does it matter writ large that he says all of these things that are just blatantly false? Do, do we, is there a danger to this? I, I guess it's a question. What do you think? Um, yeah, I would say probably. And the danger being what? Um, you know, you don't know. That's the thing with danger. It's mysterious. Well, what, what do you think is the danger or is there a danger? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the word danger gets tossed around quite frequently with this president because people don't like the, his policies. And so they say it's dangerous. You know, Betsy DeVos, the education secretary, is going to be dangerous, and Jeff Sessions is going to be dangerous. But that's not really what danger means. Danger really refers to kind of a, a threat of harm or injury of some sort uh, coming to you, and that threat being rather high uh, if you commit a certain action. And so, you know, mm -hmm. dangerous isn't the right word to me, but there is um, – it's concerning uh, is probably a better word that – we could be getting a lot of propaganda out of an administration like this and that they base either their own policies or the perception of the public to pursue certain policies based on things that aren't true. You know, those believer mm -hmm. Trump supporters in that first category who will, um, you know, they'll jump off a bridge if you ask them to, uh, you know, they can really uh, start to intimidate Congress people or other legislators to demand certain policies that aren't good for America, but they demand them because they believe that the underlying problem identified by Donald Trump is a real problem. And it oftentimes is not a real problem, or at the very least, an exaggerated problem. Like, for example, you know, there are a lot of murders that happen in the USA, but, you know, there is not at a 47 year high. And so a crackdown on communities across America based on the idea that there's a murder rate that's really high. And, you know, Trump could kind of gin up sentiment that we need, you know, these big crackdowns, stop and frisk, et cetera. Uh, by, and he could gin these people up into, into fearing that we have this huge out-of-control murder rate, when in reality, uh, it's, it's not at a 47-year high that he says. And so it's kind of a danger of making the wrong decision and stirring people up, whipping them up, uh, based on things that aren't true, you know, propaganda is never good. That's my, that's the, the moral of the story of today's show is propaganda is never good. You can write that down and take it to the bank. 
And that's coming from a Category 2 Trump supporter. A conditional supporter, yes. You just get supporter. the job done. Do what you said you're going to do. And, and really, stop the distractions, please. And, enough um, with the nonsense. <laughs> there you go. Enough with the hashtag. Enough with the nonsense. And we'll, we've had enough of the show today because, well, the show's almost over. But thanks for joining us from the well, Alex. Now you tried to save Tiny Tim. Um, but the Alex and I will see you back here next week for another exciting episode of Sudden Death. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.